We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. up everybody you asked for it and now you've got it it's time for a little bit of nfl playoff dfs pick six it's the roto world dfs pick six presented by roto grinders i'm eric crane and i'm joined as i have been by all 17 weeks of this nfl season first off we got evan silva the big dog what's up man how you doing what's up man uh coming off a, a strong week 17 hoping to build that momentum uh josh allen was was awesome and it's just it's fun to root for a guy that you know, you, you definitely like have questions about as like a real NFL player, but like, you know, you could kind of use that to your advantage um, because a lot of people don't want to play him because they have questions about him as a real NFL player, but you know, he's, he's really good at fantasy, you know? So that, that's, that's always fun. You know, just trying to find little edges, like going to be, be doing on this short slate. We're going to be going real deep talking about dudes like Vincent Smith and, you know, uh, Mo Ali Cox, and uh, you know, like it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, just insert random uh, Colts tight end here. Like that's what we can do. It's every week, man. It's like, oh look, there's the Colts tight end that I've never heard of. And I like I, last week I I was tilted because I got did so poorly on the uh, main slate, so I just scripted the second half slate on Fanduel. And then who's the Evan? Who's the guy who scored the touchdown right away for the Colts? The tight end. Uh, what this past week? Yeah, Eric Ebron Inman. No, no, it was another one. Inman scored the first time. Inman, but he's a wide receiver. No, it was some other like scrub tight end that I had never heard of. But whatever. I'm Luke done. Stocker scored in that game. Did no, you it, was, it was somebody worse than Luke Stocker. <laughs> Did you have some Luke Stocker in that game? Ryan Hewitt. The cats got it. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Hewitt. Yeah, yeah whatever. It's like yeah. third string tight end. Yeah, I know. And it was just like I was so tilted about the main slate, so I skipped the uh, I scripted the late slate, and then Ryan Hewitt scores a touchdown. I was just like, oh, my night's over. Okay. Speaking of, uh, you know, the night being over, what's up, Reeves? How you doing, buddy? Happy New Year, guys, man. Happy yeah, it was, a, it was a good, it was a good DFS season. Hopefully, we roll it through over in the playoffs. Um, I mean, we could talk a little about just like about some how we approach these playoffs. I think we all do it a little bit differently. I play no cash games in the playoffs. I treat it kind of like Thanksgiving. I'm um, strictly tournament. Um, you know, you're the short slate god. 
So we always rely on you. You know, we have one extra game, not set of three games. The main state, we got four. Four is so, a little bit. Four is a little much for me, but I'll do what I can. Yeah. Do you do you expand your player pool a little bit with four, or do you? Yeah, still I, go, I go to like nine players instead of eight. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it. I keep that tight, boy. I keep it tight. But these are always fun, like Evan said. I mean, you, these are where you have the slate breakers. You know, is this the week that David Moore decides to get out of his slumber and catch two touchdowns? Is a Ravens wide receiver actually going to catch a pass this week? You know, these weird things that, you know, can, you know, if you have some exposure to and you're ahead of the field on can really tilt, uh, you know, uh, a slate of games for you. So, I mean, we'll see if someone breaks it. Hopefully it's not like Garrett Blunt again. We don't have to deal with that. Well, I, I, I'm just glad Garrett Blunt's not on the slate because you guys would be crying when he puts up another <laughs> like 18 points and I give you the old I told you I just send the blunt gifs you know a lot of them I can't actually tweet out but uh the LeGarrette blunt gifs I or gifs I'm sorry gifs I certainly can so Evan you looking forward to these playoffs man how do you how are you feeling about this opening slate yeah definitely I mean well I think it's going to be interesting because we're going to talk about I think are we are we just going to go in like order of time slot yeah yeah so we're going to talk about by far the best game first and then there's going to come in like into play like a lot of mental stuff because, you know, do you want to, you know, make decisions based on, hey, I want to have guys, you know, left on the Sunday slate. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think the best idea is probably just to play all three slates. Like you play the, the Saturday slate yeah. independently and you play, you know, the Saturday plus Sunday slate independently. And then you play the Sunday slate independently as well. I think you play all three. Um, and that that's one way that you cannot, you know, really because I know that people are going to be like, because I because I'm doing this, you know, is like I kind of want to have dudes in the later games, you know, but but this first game is the best one to attack by far, and so I mean if you're going to stack one and you're you're just and you're not factoring in oh you know these mental you know feel based, um, you know, uh, uh, the the just the the feel of the slate. Um, then I think you might talk yourself out of some of the best plays. Yeah, I'm not going to talk myself into the best plays. I'm going to keep playing the best plays. And I'll tell you what, a lot of those best plays, let's be honest, they're coming from this first game. It's Indy at Houston. It's a 49-point total. Houston, they're three-point favorites. Houston, the total, the, the spread has moved toward them a little bit, and the total is on the rise here. So, Reeves, let's talk about this Indy side first because this will be our third show this year where we've had this exact matchup. Every single time we've had this exact matchup, we've thrown pom-poms up for T.Y. Hilton. Every single time that's happened, he's got banged up during the game and still had a good game. So, Reeves, I'm just going to ask you right now, is T.Y. Hilton maybe not a lock, but nearly a lock for you? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, because, like, there's a little bit – there's as much downside you could throw into DeAndre Hopkins as possible to throw into him. Uh, he's not a guy that we're ever fading or, or doing anything like that. But, I mean, the, the Colts are a team that don't give up, like, big games to wide receivers. I mean, yeah, Hopkins had the only wide receiver one game against them this year. Uh, in the last game, he only had 36 yards on 10 targets. They only 44.5% of the catches the Colts allow to wide receivers. It's by far the fewest in the league. They play that zone. We talked about it week one when we talked about the Colts on the show. They were going to play this defense that just didn't allow big plays. They didn't allow teams to crush them, you know, down the field to splash plays. And that's exactly how it's played out wire to wire with that Colts defense. So, I mean, if, if you're going to be a little lower on Hopkins than the field might because he's been scorching too he's you know Hopkins has been on fire entering the playoffs so I mean uh, T.Y. Hilton will be the next guy you look to he's averaged 103.2 receiving yards per game in 14 career games against the Texans that includes a four for 115 and a nine for 199 against them this year we talked about this the Texans defense not being able to keep up with speed receivers all season T.Y. Hilton's practiced like twice in the last eight weeks we don't care that he's not doing anything now he's gonna play we know he's gonna play uh, I didn't realize that we talked about this game the other two times they met during the season too. Um, that's kind of interesting because I mean that was this is what kind of when Luck's season turned around. You know, Andrew Luck's season. You know, everyone kind of was down on Luck the first month of the season. Oh, he's throwing all these passes short. You know, short of the sticks. They had to bring in you know Jacoby Brissett to throw in the hail mary, and then you know he faced the Texans that first time, and then his fantasy season never looked back. He was like a locked in like top top five top six QB every week he torched the uh the Texans you know both times they played it's a defense that's been getting lit up in the passing game so I mean we're going to be all in on the core Colts plays because they haven't run into a great spot yeah and you know the nice thing about the core Colts plays too is Evan we know exactly who it's going to be it's Hilton and it's Hebron and it's a great matchup for both of them which means that just if you're going to like both those guys we've got to like some Andrew Luck too yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and I know that um, Reeves, you put out rankings today, right? Just straight rankings for the wild card round. Uh, no, those come out tomorrow. I did like the complete, okay. like during playoff pools, those rankings. Yeah. Okay. So just if we're looking at the quarterbacks in terms of just ranking them, you know, in like raw point projection, and then we can do our adjustments for salary after that. I mean, I think that Watson and, um, and Luck are right at the top. I mean, I think that they're the two best quarterback plays. And then, you know, you just – and uh, on FanDuel, Watson is more expensive. So I think that Luck is kind of like the easy pivot there. And, yeah, absolutely, like, you know, and, and we know, like, where his, his passing game distribution is, is going, like, at the top. Because with Ebron largely healthy, with Hilton healthy enough to play, you know, these guys are going to be the target dominators. But we do have Dontrell Inman. Uh, starting to move back into the picture very much. Um, and he's like the clear-cut number two receiver uh, for the Colts right now. Uh, but the Texans have been terrible against tight ends all year. Uh, Ebron had good games against them in both of their meetings uh, this season. The first one came with Jack Doyle playing. Ebron wasn't even playing very much at that time. Uh, and then the second one um, came, he had four for 65 and a touchdown, didn't even get a target uh, in the second half of that game got all this production in the first half but uh this this texans defense has been just gashed by tight ends all year long um i mean i think that it's a big enough sample size that we can say that this trend does matter i mean teams that are targeting tight ends against the texans completing 76 percent of their passes 8.8 yards per attempt nine touchdowns um so I, i think it's it's real clear like luck hilton and Ebron is going to be a strong, a strong uh, stack there against the Texans. Yeah, and you know, especially when you look at Ebron on DK, like the price isn't even prohibitive over there. He's only fifty two hundred. I kind of assumed on a short slate that he would actually be priced up a little bit more. You look at Zach Ertz sixty four hundred. I think that's perfectly reasonable that he's the most expensive tight end. But outside of Ebron, I mean, Reeves, it gets really ugly at the tight end position over here. Like if you're looking away from Ertz or Ebron, I got to say Ebron's probably my favorite tied in on this on this entire split slate when you consider price so are you going to a lot of ebron reeves oh yeah absolutely listen man tight end tight end was bad and we had 16 games the point we choose from <laughs> we only got four games to choose from what do you think if the player pool looks like now you know uh you know we're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about guys like you know listen life of jarwin has been balling the last few weeks it is uh you know awesome game you know he blew up in week 17 unfortunately now everyone now everyone's uh, been hip to him uh, Ryan Griffin, I think, across from the this other game, like we're punting is interesting. There's these guys that are owned, uh, especially at the tight end position, because it's Ertz, it's Ebron, and there's just a clear, clear drop off. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, maybe the Trey Burton revenge game. Maybe people want to do that, and we'll get into we'll get into that game a little bit later. But yeah, like Ebron's just a guy for me that I'm going to have a lot of. And Reeves, you mentioned a guy in Ryan Griffin that I mean, do I love the spot? No, but at 2600, what do you think about Griffin? Yeah, I think it's just he's just in a, an interesting spot. So opposing teams, we talk about the defense, you know, obviously the, the Matt Everplus defense that they've incorporated. Uh, opposing teams target their tight ends 24.5% of the time against the Colts. That's the second highest rate in the league. The last time these teams played, Deshaun Watson completed 11 of 11 targets to tight ends for 151 yards. Brian Griffin uh, got the best of that. He caught five for 80. He's also just playing a lot more. He's run 191 pass routes. Uh, since week nine compared to 92 for Jordan Akins and 83 for Jordan Thomas over that span. So he's doubling up the field. He doesn't always get the targets uh, based on they just jam, you know, DeAndre Hopkins with targets. But the Colts defense might actually funnel some targets, you know, down to these tight ends like it did in the last matchup. And they've done that against basically all their opponents. The interesting factor we'll see if Kiki QT looks like he's going to be back in this game and they flip-flop both games. You know, QT was there the first game. That was the first game he came back, went from his uh, preseason hamstring injury and had 11 – he caught 11 passes on 15 targets that first meeting. They used him kind of like out of the backfield as like a tertiary, like, you know, just short near line of scrimmage targets. And the tight ends didn't do much that game. And he didn't play in that second game. And they threw all over him to the tight ends. So it's going to be curious to see how QT's return really changes the dynamic between the Texans offense. Because, I mean, that's really the only other guy that's going to catch passes there because they don't throw to the running backs at all. And mobile quarterbacks, we've, you know, studied over the years, just really don't 
target their running backs. That's why I've seen guys like Lamar Miller not really be involved in the passing game, you know, since he's, you know, transitioned to the Texans. So, I mean, uh, Ryan Griffin's just one of those cheap punts that where if you line up some dots, you know, you can get there for like a, a five for 70 game. Now, dude hasn't scored a touchdown in a game this year. So there's not a high ceiling there. He's more of just like a PPR, like, you know, dart throw. So, I mean, there's your 100% more Ryan Griffin talk than your average podcast. Yeah, and by the way, that was six seconds. That's plenty of Ryan Griffin talk. We don't need any more than that. You know, Evan, you just talking about Ryan Griffin, and we're talking about this Texans offense now. And I think yeah. he QT and kind of his availability for this game, that's a big deal for the Texans because, I mean, other than that, it's DeAndre Carter who did not have a good game last week. Uh, he saw some targets. He lost the fumble, though, just did not look all that good out there. And DeAndre Hopkins, a guy at 8,700, I mean, I don't know if I want to pay that for DeAndre Hopkins, which just feels wrong because – Typically, the highest price guys and the highest, you know, projected point scores at a position are going to be on the winning lineups in these kind of contests. But, man, it's just tough to pay for DeAndre Hopkins on a slate where I can go cheaper for T.Y. Hilton, where I can pay for some other running backs. I don't know. What do you think about this Houston passing attack? Um, I mean, you know, it's like I don't want to bet against DeAndre Hopkins. You know, that, that's typically a losing proposition. Um, but we can talk about what occurred uh, between these teams with DeAndre Hopkins uh, during the regular season. The first game, he was a monster, 10 for 169 and a touchdown. In the second one, um, uh, no Will Fuller, and it was Demarius Thomas was still trying to like get incorporated into the offense. And the Colts fell to four for 36 and one touchdown, didn't get the touchdown until really late, actually came after a 47-yard catch and run by Ryan Griffin set him up uh, but the Colts were very aggressive they don't necessarily always do this but they were very aggressive like game planning specifically against DeAndre Hopkins because they they normally play a pretty straight away you know Tampa 2 old Tony Dungy style defense but they game planned against DeAndre Hopkins and hey it worked um, so my guess is that they will do that again doesn't mean that it'll be successful by any means the Texans themselves will be uh, more prepared for it um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, like, I'm going to have DeAndre Hopkins uh, in, in my lineup. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Then, yeah. Well, I just, I just keep looking at it, and I'm saying, who else am I supposed to play from Houston? I guess that's my biggest right. issue because Houston, they're at home. It's the highest total on this plate. They're three-point favorites, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm supposed to play some of these Texans guys, and yet here we are. If I'm not playing Hopkins, am I really going to feel good about a guy like Q? like DeAndre Carter, Lamar Miller, I certainly don't feel good about. So if it's not Hopkins, I guess, on Houston, Evan, who's it going to be? I think that we have to determine, like, who is going to be, like, you know, in, like, playing a lot. You know, that's the first thing that we should try to determine. And I think that, um, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is locked in as the Texans' ex-receiver. And then um, – at slot receiver, if Kiki QT comes back, which it certainly looks like he will because he's been a full participant in practice, um, then he's going to play slot receiver. And then who's going to get the other position outside? Uh, and I think it's probably going to be Vincent Smith. Vincent Smith last week ran uh, five more pass routes than uh, DeAndre Carter and, of course, saw 32 more air yards than DeAndre Carter. And Vincent Smith is like he, – he should be right around the stone minimum. Um, and so he becomes an interesting sleeper. And then Ryan Griffin, I think, is my favorite, you know, pound for pound based on price sleeper uh, on the Texans team uh, because the matchup is really good. He's going to be out on the field a lot. We've seen that the Colts uh, are willing to scheme specifically against DeAndre Hopkins, and that opened things up for Ryan Griffin. How do you think he's getting wide open for 47-yard, you know, catch and runs? He's not, you know, he, he's not like – George Kittle or something like that, you know? So, um, but That's yeah, I think it politely, we, but I, there are, are, because of the, the high total in, on the game, because of the, the game is being going to be played indoors, you know, because we know that the Colts will do this dedicated double team thing with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think that we can look at the rest of their, their passing game and try to pull out cheap sleepers. So, Reeves, who would that be if you're looking at the Chiefs' sleepers? Are you on to Vincent Smith as well? Are you looking at maybe running, you know, trying DeAndre Cardi again? I think QT is really interesting at 4K because he's somebody that, you know, before Demarius Thomas came over, he was essentially the number two wide receiver on this team after Will Fuller was out. So, I mean, I think QT is really interesting as Lumi is healthy. So, Reeves, who else do you like in this Houston team? 
Yeah, I think you guys just laid it out like that. I think the play is to go under the projected field on Hopkins, still own him, but go under, and then go over on all the other guys. And then when it doesn't work, you play the Sunday slate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hate that feeling when you just like, you you know, and it's just cause you're just stone dead and you're just like, all right, let's, let's click the buttons. All right. Who, I can still hit the nuts. And that the thing that people say, you can still hit the nuts on the Sunday slate. But yeah, I think these guys are fine. As far as the running backs in this game reads, not a great matchup for either of them. Marlon Mackey, 6k Lamar Miller seems too cheap at 4,900, but again, you know, he's 4,900 and that might be too much for five points. So what do you think about the running backs here? Yeah, tough spot for both of them. I mean, Marlon Mack is one of these guys that's a tricky guy to nail because he has really good weeks and really bad weeks. Uh, and then he's facing a Houston team on the road that's allowing the fewest yards per carry to opposing running backs, 3.1 yards per carry, 62.5 rushing yards per game, second in the league uh, allowed to opposing backfields. And both times that these teams played, the Colts had zero rushing success. Uh, their running backs carried the ball 31 times for 64 yards in these two games. Mac did score a touchdown that second meeting. Just not a great spot. You know, that's why we like the Texans so much, though, is they force teams to throw all over them, and they're bad against the pass. That's why we like, you know, the passing game so much. Um, I think it's an interesting spot for Marlon Mack if you're in, like, a playoff league, because if they win this game, you might get a matchup with, like, the Chiefs in, in round two. Yeah. Uh, but he's not a guy I'm high on, you know, in this you know, in this game. Probably not a guy I'm going to really max out ownership on and be um, – and be, you know, with the field or, you know, higher than the field. on. I'm just not really feeling it. And Lamar Miller is Lamar Miller. I mean, what do you want to say, man? I mean, uh, sucks, Lamar Miller is the – he's the one-piece bikini of fantasy football. He's just not like a guy that we're ever – we're really loving. He's not involved in the passing game. This dude has, uh, what, uh, he has 10 catches his past six games for 48 yards. Just not, not anything we really love. Oh, I'm sorry. I kick over the one piece bikini of fantasy football. That is that is too good. Now I know what my uh, Halloween content, Halloween costume is going to be next year. Evan, do you have any interest in either of these running backs? Because I, I mean, look, if you're building a ton of teams, I think you have to have a few shares. But by and large, I'm just kind of off both these guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be in like you know jam them in position with with either guy for sure. Um, what I what I kind of wanted to talk about was the total on the game and the team totals because this is strange to me I think that it's almost like they're forcing the Texans in as favorites here um the Colts over their last seven games have allowed 15 points per game um and the Texans team total is 25 points um you know the 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 Texans pass protection is a huge problem I mean no offensive line in the NFL gives up more penetration than the Texans offensive line. They gave up the most sacks, quarterback hits, and tackles for loss in the NFL. And it didn't get better down the stretch. They tried to make it better just by throwing less, but they didn't make it better. And they were very fortunate to have faced the easiest schedule in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, which was pro- projected as to be the case before the season and turned out to be the case. Um, so, man, it's, this is weird. Like, look, I think it could be a shootout for sure, and it could end up like 37-34, you know. But, man, I, I think that the Colts are a better team. I guess the, the, total, the team totals are kind of telling us that the sportsbooks see it that way because the Colts are on the road, and they're only one-and-a-half-point dogs. So that yeah, I just can't believe this has been bet up. The Colts are even money on the money line, which tells you just about all you need to know. Okay. Because okay. I, was, I was looking at the uh, Fantasy yeah. Labs Vegas tracker. I'm seeing Houston at three in some places, which doesn't make any sense to me. Because, Evan, I'm with you. I think Houston's a better – I think Indy's a better team. And I kind of think they win this game – I mean, I think they might win this game by seven to ten points. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I think yeah. – it just, it just feels wrong to me, this line. Like, that's why I'm so confused it's moving the other way. Reeves, what side do you like in this game as far as betting goes? We can touch on that real quick. Yeah, I do have a betting column that comes out with, with Raymond Summerlin, and um, I actually uh, I actually picked the under in this game. Uh, so, I mean, since 2000, uh, so NFL playoff games are typically lower scoring than regular season games anyways. Uh, in divisional round playoff games since, or wild card round playoff games since 2000, the under's hitting 58.3% of the time. In games with game totals of 47 points or higher, uh, in the wild card round since 2000, the under's hit 64% of the time. 
Uh, if you look at what Houston and Indy, their games they've been playing lately, their lower scoring games, games in Houston this season averaged a combined 42.8 points. The under hit five of eight times in just games in Houston anyways. Um, you know, you got a, a Colts team that's been hot. They haven't given up points. I mean, a lot of points here where I think it's the, the under is going to hit just by a natural way of, you know, the these games aren't as high scoring as we like in the playoffs. And you've seen a lot of these totals on the slate dictate that. Um, I think that this game, this game has a lower game total, I believe, than either two of the regular season games that have to double check on that. But uh, yeah, I'm more on the underside, but I think that the Colts get over from a fantasy sense uh, that their guys still get over because it's going to be all passing. Yeah, I I like the Colts side here. I don't know whether I like the over under, but I certainly like the Colts to win this game. And, you know, maybe this is just one of those spots where maybe I'm just going to be wrong, but I, I feel strongly enough about it that it's just, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm actually concerned. Cause you know, when you feel this good about a spot and we're all sitting here agreeing and maybe I'm overthinking it, but right. how weird we- is it that this is the fifth time in eight years, the Texans have been in this spot playing that Saturday four thirty game. That's strange. I didn't know that. I, I Then again, I didn't know the Texans been in the playoffs five times in the last eight years. So one well. thing I would say is to, to not, overlook like how kind of legit the Colts defense is number one yeah. uh and the Colts defense is I believe the cheapest defense on plate and I mean you are like starting off with four sacks whenever you're facing Deshaun Watson <laughs> yeah so, they're, the second, they're the second cheapest defense on DK 2300 the Eagles are the only one cheaper and I don't even hate them at 2200 and another guy I just wanted to mention and we can move on to the next one because I know we gotta we gotta jam them in but uh, Naheem Hines uh, is going to be pretty interesting, I think, on DK. And um, the, the Texans, like, they have been just great in run defense, but you can kind of hurt them in the passing game with RBs. And um, Naheem Hines, I mean, I, he should be in the mix for, like, four to six or seven receptions in this game. You know, depending on how hard they want to go with game planning to attack the opponent's weaknesses, I think he could just play a bigger role than expected in this game and certainly if they fall behind then then he you know he has a chance to be the nuts on the slate yeah and you know guys like that that are always two percent they provide such a big edge you don't have to go that far you only have to have them on 10 15 percent of your teams to really have a giant edge on the field all right let's talk seattle and dallas um dallas at home they're two and a half point favorites 42 and a half point total spread and if you want the most expensive running back on the slate it's coming from this game ezekiel elliott priced all the way up to 9k in this matchup, Reeves, are you prioritizing Zeke on this slate? Because I struggle to see how you don't. Yeah, God jam him. Yeah. Zeke's and jam him in status if there's a guy on the slate. I think it's him and Luck. You just start with him and Luck if you're just building like a, a brass tax team. Obviously, you know, those are going to be the chalkiest guys. They're going to have the highest ownership. Um, he's a no-brainer. Led the NFL 25.4 touches per game. Then when you look at his gap from the field. I mean, I think, I think it's more interesting to say who's the RB2 in this, on this field. I think it's a lot more fun conversation because clearly Zeke, uh, the Seahawks have been getting smashed in all-purpose yardage uh, by running backs. They've allowed 152 yards from scrimmage to running backs over their past 10 games. Zeke's been catching the ball. Only Christian McCaffrey caught more passes than Zeke from weeks 9 through 16 on the season. So, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty easy. You're getting him as a home favorite. Uh, yeah, easy jamming, man. Now tell me who's the RB2. I don't know, but I, I mean, I'm really thinking, cause I'll script this slate. Honestly, Evan, I'm thinking about just doing 150 Zeke teams. Like I just struggle to see how I'm not going to be happy with my lineups after that barring injury. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably would too. I mean, yeah, it's just, you know. I mean, it's just, you just got to do it. Like I just think but, it's, but everybody's going to play him too though. So what's, I mean, if, my, you, if, if your goal is to go over the field, you know, and he's 92% owned, then you're only going over 8%. I'm, I'm, clicking, I'm clicking the lock button, man. I don't see a reason not to. Like, I just uh, – yeah, he's expensive, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting here building lineups. I mean, I got a shell with Luck, Zeke, and Hilton. I still got 4,500, you know, per player left. And on a slate that's pretty short where we're going to have some value guys, like we were talking about the Texans guys. We'll talk about some cheaper tight ends we want to go there. There are some really, really good cheap defenses, you know, like the Eagles, the Colts. We've talked about them. I think the the three cheapest defenses, by the way, the Chargers, the Colts, are and the uh, Eagles, they're all playing quarterbacks that can get sacked and that are turnover prone. So I have no problem with any of those three. I will not be spinning up a defense on this slate. But to me, Zeke, you just lock him in. And let's talk about the other piece of Dallas, because I think we talk about we got to, you know, catch up a little bit because somehow we only got four games on the slate and we're already behind because that's how we roll on the pick six every now and then. But this passing game, talk to me about Dak and talk to me about Amari Cooper, Evan. 
Yeah, this is a difficult one. I think that Dak might struggle in this game. Um, you know, again, we're dealing in very small sample sizes, and this is a very small sample size sport. You know, so we unfortunately we don't just don't really have big sample sizes to deal with. Um, but Dak Prescott uh, has struggled. He's uh, performed better against man defenses than zone defenses in his career, like by a pretty significant margin. Um, he has faced, uh, and the Seahawks are a primarily zone defense. He has faced Pete Carroll's defense twice in his career, and he was bad in both of them. <clears throat> uh, the, the, the Seahawks are sort of like a, a run funnel defense because they've been bad against the run, um, but they've been better against the pass because they can rush the passer. Uh, they finished number 11 in the NFL in sacks. They were number four in quarterback hits. Uh, Frank Clark on the edge, Jerron Reed coming up the middle. Um, just five of the last 15 quarterbacks to face the Seahawks were top 12 scorers on the week. Uh, and, you know, we have this history of struggles that also uh, zone defenses tend to be better uh, against uh, mobile quarterbacks, not giving up big, you know, big rushing games to, to the mobile quarterbacks. Uh, the Seahawks allowed the 11th fewest quarterback rushing yards per game this season. So, I think that Dak might struggle. I think it needs to be a Zeke game if the Cowboys are going to go into this game, game planning to try to attack the Seahawks' weaknesses and, you know, avoid their strengths. I think that they need to try to drop back Dak as infrequently as possible. He just had a great game, I understand, against the Giants. I mean, that might have been, like, the best game of his career. I mean, he made – he definitely made, like, some of the best throws of his career. In that game. He was unbelievable. Was not playing with Zeke, you know. Uh, was not playing with Zach Martin at right guard, who was due back this week. Um, but I, I think that he might struggle in this game. He does have strong home splits. Uh, so that that's something that, that is kind of working in, in his favor. But I think the passing game might struggle in this game. What about you, Reeves? Are you on this Dallas passing game? Because I feel like we have to have some Amari. And, again, you want to throw, you know, a dart at a guy like Michael Gallup. I guess that's fine. But for the most part, it's just about Zeke for me on the Dallas side. Yeah, I kind of like Amari a little bit more, I guess, than both of you guys. I mean, I, I mean, Seattle went through a stretch in the middle of the season where they were just getting crushed by boundary receivers, like absolutely murdered. Uh, and they've kind of cooled off and just given up some modest games, you know, here at the end. You know, Diggs got them for four for 76 and Tyreek only four for 74. But, man, they allowed some real big ceiling games uh, in the middle of the season to outside wide receivers. And we've already seen Amari have, like, overall wide receiver one upside on a full slate of games. Uh, at home in Dallas's games. The targets have still been there. I mean, he still had 11 targets last week. So, I mean, I'm kind of looking at this wide receiver field, and I'm looking at his price. So not so much uh, on DK where he's priced, but on FanDuel, he's priced really low uh, for, and, you know, from where the, you just lay out the field. So, I mean, I'm looking at him over there. I'm probably going to – probably a lot higher uh, on him at 6700 you know, over there than um, I will be on DK. But, I mean, he's, he's priced really favorably and shown the upside. So, I mean, I don't really care if he's a guy that really busts because the targets have been there where I still think I'd get, like, a, a, a nice nice little level of floor there anyways, even if he hits for just, like, 60 yards. Um, but I'm probably a little higher on him. Uh, I don't think it's a great week to go to Jarwin, even though I was joking about him earlier and chasing those three, uh, you know, three touchdowns last week. He's been solid, though. I, I brought him up a couple weeks ago when they played the Colts, you know, uh, just as, like, a guy to punt with. Uh, Seattle, actually, like, for the defense does does matter crowd, they have, have been pretty good against tight ends, and they faced a lot of good tight ends. Uh, they faced Travis Kelsey, held him way under his season averages. Both games against George Kittle, he was way under his season averages. They faced uh, Jared Cook, Greg Olson, you know, Jimmy Graham. Those, none of those guys did anything. Uh, against them so I mean he's not a guy I'm real high on and chasing those points with that tight end like I outright like Ryan Griffin the guy we talked about before just more than Blake Jarwin mm -hmm. all right what about any interest in this uh Seattle team because it I mean Russ is going to be under own on a four-game slate and we're supposed to have interest in Russ at 5,700 under own on a four-game slate but it is against Dallas it's a really tough matchup and I kind of think Dallas kind of rolls in this game. I think it's like a like a twenty three to seven kind of game. I think it's low scoring. I think Dallas rolls at home. I I I don't know. Maybe I'm just off here, Evan. What do you think about the Seattle side? Um, yeah, it's well. Reeves brought up the debate of who would be the RB two on the slate, and I think it's a good one. Who's like first of all, it's established who's in the mix. So Chris Carson, one Melvin Gordon. 
Marlon Mack, you know, Lamar Miller, then Tarek Cohen, Jordan Howard. So I think it's Carson over Melvin Gordon. Um, and that's primarily because of injury concerns that we'll talk about more when we discuss the Chargers. Uh, but I think that Chris Carson, you know, he enters this game with 20 plus touches in four straight. Um, the Cowboys, something went wrong with their run defense a couple times late in the season. And it might have just been a blip. Both of the games that where they gave up the big rushing numbers were they were against Saquon Barkley, they were against um, uh, Marlon Mack late in the year, and they were both on the road. Uh, and of course, the Cowboys are playing at home here. Um, and they have had big home road splits all year in terms of like one loss uh, in particular. They just have played better at Jerry World this year. Um, but they showed enough cracks, I think, late in the season that I think I would put Carson number two on uh, in the running back rankings for for the wild card round. I mean, he's been on fire. The Seah- he's the centerpiece of the, the Seahawks offense. You know, I know it, it really, sh- really should be Russell Wilson, but it's Chris Carson. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's on a freaking roll down the stretch and their run blocking has been really uh, strong as well. Yeah. And Chris Carson's a guy 6,800 over on DK. And we talk about usage all the time with running backs. Who's going to get the touches? Well, here we go. Carson, the last four games, 19, 27, 22, 22. And Reeves like, I, I, you know, I know I said that I thought that uh, Dallas rolls in this one, but if there's one thing we know about Seattle, it's that they are committed to running football almost no matter what. So Reeves, what do you think about the Seattle offense? Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I actually ranked Carson two in the rankings because one, he's playing the best football out of all those guys that we brought up. And two, I just don't think it, even defensive matchups you want to bring in the equation. I just don't think they really matter for Seattle. That's what they, this is like, they've already shown the blueprint. They've done it against everyone. Uh, you know, they ran on the Vikings. They ran on every, they ran on everybody they faced. So, I mean, I, I'm not really like that pressed for it. And the game script's never going to probably get to a spot where they get pushed out of the, you know, out of the run game. Um, and, you know, that's probably the wor- The biggest worry about this game is probably just overall play volume. I mean, teams against Seattle run the fewest amount of plays because of, you know, well, unless you want to count like Baltimore in the stretch. But, I mean, we've got both of those teams playing this weekend where we could have the Chargers and the Cowboys just not run a lot of plays. Uh, it could really hurt the ceiling for everyone involved on both sides of the football. But, yeah, I'm on Carson the most. I think it's a tough spot for Russ. Uh, the Cowboys just don't give up big passing games. It's one of those games where Russ is going to have to be more efficient than have volume. He's lived that way the entire season, so we can't fade that from happening. But, I mean, it's probably one of those games where he throws for right around 200 yards, and, you know, the Cowboys have only allowed more than two passing touchdowns in uh, one game all season long. So it's going to be tough for him to live off of touchdown, you know, efficiency in this game. I think he's a solid play. I think he's going to get you, like, that 15 to 17 points. I just don't know if it's, like, how probable it is for Russ to have like a 30 point game, even though he's that type of player. Yeah. And you know, when we were doing our intro, uh, Evan mentioned that maybe we'll gamble on a little East central today, which is uh, David Moore, not the high school. And uh, he's only 3,500 in this matchup. Again, not a great matchup for him, but Evan, what do you think about these Seattle wide receivers, Baldwin, Lockett, David Moore? Is there anybody you're leaning toward? Yeah. I think that Baldwin is the guy that I like the best. Um, He took week 14 off with a hip injury. And I think it did him a lot of good. He's, He's been dominating opportunity ever since. I mean, he's got 11 more targets than any other Seahawk in the final three games. Um, his 348 air yards in weeks 15 through 17, seventh most in the league. Um, and then, you know, you look at just from a matchup standpoint, he's, he's running 64% of his routes in the slot. He's got over half of his catches on the season on slot routes. Cowboy slot corner Anthony Brown has battled a, a back injury uh, for like the entire second half of the season. And uh, PFF had him at 75% completion rate, uh, not over nine yards per attempt, three touchdowns from weeks nine through 17. He missed time in there. Uh, he's allowed uh, 1.6 uh, yards per slot coverage snap. That's the second most among qualified slot defenders. So, you know, if we're going to break it down and look at just straight cornerback matchups, look at who's getting the opportunity, um, you know, maybe factor in uh, some expectation that you know, the, the, the Seahawks could fall behind as the road team facing a, a team that has been great at home all season. Uh, then I think that Doug Baldwin is the go-to guy. Tyler Lockett led the team in receiving over the course of the year, but they, they spiked his dot late in the season, and he's been more of a high-variance guy, and he's, he's still had some pretty good games. 
Um, but I think that Doug Baldwin is the strongest play uh, because of where he plays and because of his recent usage. Yeah, and what do we know about, you know, teams in the playoffs? What do they like to do? They like to go to their stars, and you got to kind of ask, who does Seattle think their star whiteout is? Is it Baldwin? Is it Lockett? To me, Russ trusts Baldwin the most, so that's where I'm going to go with as well. Let's move on. Let's talk Chargers at the Ravens, 41.5-point total, Baltimore minus three at home. And, Reeves, we just saw this game, didn't we? We we just saw this exact game. Like, can't we just replay it from last week, last few two weeks ago, and just be done with it? I think that's what makes this game so interesting. So – the Ravens, and there's a lot of storyline dynamics here. One, I just want to mention it. I, uh, it has, I think one of the most underwritten things about the Ravens dynamic is how they were, how fortunate were they have Greg Roman on their staff during this transition. You know, he was there in 2011, 2012, when the 49ers transitioned from Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, changed that entire offense on the fly, and they went to the Super Bowl running an entirely different offense. Then he was with the Bills. For the two years they had, you know, Tyrod's first two years at a starters and made him a highly functional, efficient passer with a run game. And then he's there in the middle of the season to help them, you know, kind of, you know, incorporate Lamar Jackson and on the fly change their entire offense to a run oriented offense. Now, what that what that is, do it's hard to prepare for the what the offense the Ravens run in like a given week for NFL. Like it's hard to just on the fly, you got one week of practice, really three days of practice to incorporate, you know, a game plan to run against this. Uh, and to be honest, the Chargers did a pretty good job when they played. They allowed the fewest rushing yards the Ravens had. They still allowed 159 rushing yards, but Lamar Jackson had 13 carries for 39 yards, by far his lowest in any game. He has at least 67 rushing yards in every other game in his seven starts. Uh, so they did a good job there. They're going to have a second time to make more adjustments. Uh, so I think it's really interesting. I think this game is really interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I think that the Chargers got boned by getting the Sunday early early game. I think they really got boned by the league in that dynamic. I think they should have gotten either the Saturday game where it wasn't, you know, an early start. Because, I mean, West Coast teams have just been so bad uh, in these playoff games and early starts. The Chargers were actually the last AFC team to win uh, an early start in 2013 uh, against the Bengals. So, I mean, it's going to be real interesting, this this rematch. Um, I mean, the Ravens are really – it's really easy to talk about. It's It's really Lamar Jackson and all the other dudes are just dudes. Like, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be like, we're going to want to play Mark Andrews as like the punt tight end. I don't really have a problem with that. He's He's been a pretty good target for Lamar Jackson. Um, but his four catches last week matched the season eye. He's had more than two catches in just two of Lamar Jackson's seven starts. I think he's more just like you chasing that 70-yard touchdown he had uh, a couple weeks ago. Don't really love him. The running backs are get yardage, but it's hollow yardage. They don't catch passes. They have just two touchdowns over the past six games because Lamar Jackson runs them all. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson himself, I think, is interesting. Man, we were real close last week to get in that 40-burger game. He had a 38-yard touchdown called back on kind of like a, a touchy holding penalty, and he had a touchdown that he should have had, but he pulled the ball back too early, and the Browns actually should have had a fumble six on it, uh, and they got boned on that. But, he, you know, he, he almost showed that ceiling game last week. Um, I just don't know if we're going to get it in round two with a team that is a good defense already inherently, played Baltimore well the first game, uh, and has a chance to make adjustments. Yeah, I don't know. It just this game is probably the most interesting to me too. And I just, man, when they when these teams played a few weeks ago, you might Keenan Allen was coming off the injury. Mike Williams just came off that giant game that came out of nowhere, and people were still trying to play Mike Williams. It just, I don't know. It's just a weird game for me, Evan. What do you think about this game? Yeah, I mean that stood out to me too that the Chargers are having to play this one p.m. Eastern time time game on the East Coast, and like, why wouldn't they make the Texans? Colts game at this time and then allow the Chargers Ravens to play on Saturday at you know 4 30 like that would have made a lot more sense than, than the scheduling and I think that 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 hurts the Chargers I think that uh Phillip Rivers hasn't necessarily been as affected uh by that as some as some of the West Coast teams but it's still like not an ideal circumstance for a West Coast team to be playing in this sort of situation. And we just saw the, you know, the Ravens go out to their place and, and, you know, punch them in the mouth, 22 to 10. Um, and, you know, they kind of did what they always do. And, you know, they made a lot of plays on defense and, you know, Phillip Rivers kind of finished the season kind of slowly uh, really after that, uh, after the comeback game against the chiefs. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was interesting last week that Kenneth Dixon for the first time since coming off IR return, uh, out-touched uh, Gus Edwards. Uh, Gus Edwards still had, uh, still played more snaps, and I think that he's the favorite for touches 
Uh, but I think that that was interesting. And Kenneth Dixon had a great game. I mean, he had he, he had 120 total yards. Uh, so I think that we should go into this game anticipating a near even committee in the Ravens backfield. It's going to be interesting, you know, um, on the Sunday games, like I think that you can actually play Gus Edwards and um, Kenneth Dixon in the same lineup. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Like, I, you know, especially on a Sunday where there are only two games. Yeah, I think that's I think that's not only fine. I actually think it's a really good strategy that a lot a lot of people utilize. So, you know, we're talking about a guy like Kenneth Dixon. He's 4K. Gus Edwards, 4,200. I would assume more people go toward Gus Edwards. Evan, how do you, I mean, where do you, th- you think people play Dixon and chase the game last week, or do you think more people go to Edwards? Yeah, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm leave it at that. Yeah, no, that's kind of how I feel too. So, you know, Reeves, do you have a preference between these Baltimore running backs if you like either of them even? So in the article coming out tomorrow, I ranked them in the exact same spot. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> I'll tell you, I can't imagine we have it out yet. Let me see. Give people behind the peek behind. Let's see if we've got projected ownership out yet for the wild card round. Let's see. Okay, we do. I'm going to sort by running back. Let's see who works. I mean, a DK, I don't see how you don't play Dixon more because even two catches is like an extreme advantage. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah we've got Kenneth Dixon at 22% and uh, Gus Edwards at 10 and honestly, like, I'm kind of with you. Like, you flip a coin as far as who's going to get. Because, yeah, Dixon, obviously, he's got a better chance in PPR of getting there. But I think Gus Edwards has a better chance of finding the box. So you talk about upside. It actually might be Gus Edwards. And, I, I mean, it's – I really think that this is kind of one of those spots where you play the ownership game. By the way, Zeke projected ownership of 72.5%, which is still too low. Big props to the the uh, 28.5% of you, 27.5% of you for providing the overlay this week. Um all right, let's talk the Chargers side of the football because, I mean, Melvin Gordon, Evan, you said that you wanted to kind of talk about Melvin Gordon and like his health situation. It's just it's just a mess right there, man. Like I don't know, I don't know how to treat this because if he was healthy, I would love him, but he's not, and I just don't know what to do with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, he's and he's a road dog against, um, you know, against one of the best run defenses in the league, and. You know, their other RBs have played pretty well. I mean, you know, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler is back now. So, you know, and um, Melvin Gordon, like a couple of weeks ago when he was supposed to be pretty healthy, I mean, he lost a ton of passing game work to Justin Jackson. It was in this game. It was in this, uh, the you know, the first, first round of this game. So even if he plays, like, he could be limited. It could also, you know, it could also be a situation like, you remember last year when, Antonio Brown was going up against Jalen Ramsey and, you know, no one really trusted his health, but Hey, you had to have him, you know, against the Jaguars in, uh, I think it was the, the divisional round. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it could be a situation like that too, but that it, it seems unlikely. I mean, I think that he's like, he has legit injuries. He has multiple injuries. He's been dealing with knee and ankle injuries. Uh, so he's, he's, he's a very high risk play, no doubt. Yeah. And of course the upside is there, but at the same time, Reeves, what do you, I mean, I saw you when I just brought up Melvin Gordon. You were shaking your head, man. So tell me what you think about Gordon. Yeah, I think Evan made up a good point about the Antonio Brown thing. It's kind of a, a spot like that. At least we have, you know, at least with a, with a wide receiver, you know, like you have like more opportunity for splash plays, you know, that can float like a fantasy line. Uh, with Melvin Gordon, I don't know how we're going to get this. Snap rates is two games that he's been back, been way down. He played 67% of snaps, 54% of snaps. That's way off his seasonal pace. Evan talked about him losing receiving game work to Justin Jackson in that first game he came back. The matchup also stinks on the road against the Ravens team that just has not allowed any type of rushing production at all in their house. Uh, they allowed just 100 total yards to the Chargers on the road to their backfield, you know, on 23 touches when these teams played two weeks ago. He's just a tricky play. I mean, um, I don't I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm probably just going to X him off and, and just hope I'm right. That's brave, man. Like, it's – I don't think – and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the projected ownership, and this is, I think, one of the more fluid situations because if we get some information that he looks better or worse than expected, right now I'm looking at 20%. I think that's going to change a lot based on some later week reports. And – it just kind of depends like what we hear now, as far as the passing game goes, obviously it's a tough matchup for the passing game of the chargers against this Ravens defense. But the one guy that has a decent matchup is Philip Rivers favorite target. And that's Keenan Allen. So talk to me about Keenan Allen. He's the guy you're targeting here, Evan. 
Yeah, and I think he's a, a volume play, you know, and I, I think that his health is not a concern. It, it was at one point, he had a hit pointer kind of late in the year, you know, missed that, um, missed almost the entire game against the Chiefs. Uh, but his playing time has been great. His usage has been good. Um, I think that people will try to chase Mike Williams to some extent. And man, he is, Don't do it. he is about as low floor of an option as you could possibly get. You know, I think that like just from watching the games, I think that it seems like Mike Wood or that Phillip Rivers is gaining more trust in him or at least like trying to gain more trust in him. Um, but yeah, I think that Keenan Allen is definitely the play if we're looking at uh, Chargers pass catchers. People are going to try to maybe talk themselves into Hunter Henry. That's pretty dicey. It is a, a good area to attack the Ravens, though. Uh, I think you want to attack them in the middle of the field. Keenan Allen does a lot of route running in the middle of the field also. Uh, but I think that that's the weakness in their in their defense. You want to get guys matched up against um, you know their safeties and also C.J. Mosley, who is not the inside linebacker, has not had a good year in pass coverage. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Hunter Henry. I'm sure Stephen A is going to be playing a lot of him this week. But at minimum price at 2,500, I can't really blame him. You know, he's I, I understand he's going to be in a snap count, on a pitch count, whatever. But, man, you just got to figure that, like, when he's out there, it ain't going to be to run block, right, Reeves? Like, if Henry's out there, he's going to be getting a few targets. Yeah, he'll be one of those he'll be one of those guys where like snaps won't tell the story. It'll be, you know, routes and situation he gets in. Cause when he's in the game, it's gonna be him to get targeted with the football, basically. Um and, and his involvement actually hurts the guy we talked about before, Mike Williams. Cause even if he's gonna come in situationally, that hurts what Mike Williams does best. I mean, no player in the top fifty scoring wide receivers in the NFL this season relied on touchdowns or fantasy points more than Mike Williams. Thirty-three point three percent of his fantasy output came just from touchdowns alone. So if he doesn't have that in his back pocket. Uh, you know, what are we going to do? And, you know, the, he was a guy that had, what, three targets when these teams played two weeks ago, seven yards. What's the weird thing? Mike, one of the weirdest things about Mike Williams is he's getting, like, a, a, a rushing attempt every game. Like, it's, like, one of the weirdest things that this guy keeps getting rushing attempts uh, because he's just, like, you know, not that type of player. We had that rushing touchdown against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, he's the he's the RB4. He's There's Melvin Gordon, there's Detrez Newsome, there's Austin Eckler, and then we've got uh, then we got Mike Williams. Oh, Justin Jackson. I forgot Justin Jackson, so he's really the RB5. Way to go, Mike. Yeah, I <laughs> I doubt I have a single Mike Williams team this week. Like, I just really hate this matchup. I remember I dug into it a few weeks ago, and I said I can't wait for people to chase that ceiling game from him because it's just not going to happen again. Um, you know, if you want to play any of these secondary pieces, Tyrell Williams always got splash play upside. Travis Benjamin, he has like two touchdowns a year and every single one of them seem to screw me somehow. So I always have exposure to Benjamin. But besides that, I think we can move on. Let's talk our last game. It's Philly at Chicago, 41 point total. The Bears are six point favorites at home. And um, Philly just getting no respect, Evan. I'm a little bit surprised that they're this big of underdogs at Chicago. What do you think about this game, Evan? Man, I've been putting off breaking it down because the the Bears' entire receiver core is like, I have no idea what's going to happen with them. Um, Taylor Gabriel left last week's game. Uh, Anthony Miller dislocated his shoulder again. And uh, Allen Robinson didn't even play. So, and I, you know, I, there's a scenario where like Taylor Gabriel could be an awesome play against Philadelphia, I think. Oh, yeah. But, you get a deep guy like that against this Eagles yes. secondary, heck yeah. Yeah, and he's real cheap, but he did bang up his ribs last week. Just kind of got to see, you know. And I mean, I I'm I'm just kind of I'm just kind of waiting on this, you know, because if this pass catcher core is at full strength, I mean, it goes so deep, and Tarek Cohen cuts so much into the pass catcher core that it's like I I don't I never want to use guys on the Bears. You know, and whenever I have like tried to talk myself into using guys on the Bears, like it has not worked out uh, aside from like naked Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, like the last time I used a guy on the Bears, it was week it was uh, it was week 10 because uh, I had a lot of Allen Robinson that week against the Lions the week that he went off. And that was the last time I've used a bear receiver. And it's just like I, you just never know who it's going to be. They spread the ball around so much. Yeah, like one of them might have a big game, but it's just it's really tough to pinpoint. Reeves, do you have a preference as far as the Bears receiver goes, or are you just finding a dartboard? I mean, it's hard to, to dislike Allen Robinson. He did practice a full – he practiced in full today. Um, I know his in total his total season was a disappointment, but, I mean, uh, over his final seven games played, he um, 
He averaged 25% of the team targets. Over his past three games played, he was over 25% of the team targets. So he's been getting looks recently when he played. I really like Trubisky in this spot, man. Uh, I do, man. So uh, he's he's he is like the most jarring like home road splits of any quarterback in the league. He's so throwing 19 of his 24 touchdown passes at home. He's rushed for 39 yards per game at home. The Eagles have gotten murked by like mobile passers. We talked about the same reason we played Deshaun. We talked about it when we wanted to play Deshaun Watson a few weeks ago. Uh, Cam Newton got him for 26 fantasy points. Mariota got him for 30. Blake Bortles, 20. Deshaun Watson, 37. Uh, We've seen Mitchell Trubisky have QB1 overall upside at home in the the season. So on a short slate, he definitely does. Um, He hasn't been good since he's been back. I get it. Um, But, I mean, man, I feel like he's the dude that, like, could have, like, if there's outside of luck, or Watson that has like a really 30 point upside out of all the quarterbacks. Um, and I think that if you don't really like the receivers and you can't pinpoint nail them down, I mean, Cohen's probably in the best spot. The Eagles are vulnerable to pass catching options. The Eagles also, the Eagles got really bad against the run for a stretch in the season, but then they've been really awesome. The, like the final three games, they only allowed 82 rushing yards running backs the past three games, but they allow 6.9 receptions per game to opposing backfields, which is 30th in the league and 13.7 PPR points per game to backfields, which is 27th. Uh, so, I mean, it could be a game where Cohen gets dusted off. You just need game script to play out a little more for Cohen than it has over this, like, past four-game stretch because he's been in single-digit touches now, I think, in three of the past four. Uh, so you need you need the Eagles to do their part a little bit. You know, and I'm sitting here. I was ready to pull up with something like, oh, Trubisky's been so bad when he's been under pressure, and he really hasn't been all that bad when he's been under pressure. Like this season, as the season gone on, he's gotten better. He's got the 12th highest quarterback rating when under pressure this year. Like, I, Evan, talk me out of mystery. I do not want to have this great Saturday. Like I nail the early, the early game on Sunday. And then now then I say, okay, all I need is Mitchell Trubisky to outscore Andrew. Like that's, God, that just sounds like an awful, miserable Sunday night. And I've had enough of those this season. So talk to me about Trubisky, man. No, I'm 100% with Reeves on him. I, I really, really like him. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely want to see how the, the injury situation clarifies. I definitely agree that Tara Cohen is maybe the guy to play him with um, as opposed to his receivers. I want it to be Taylor Gabriel. Look, if we get, like, no Allen Robinson, we get no Anthony Miller, and it's just, you know, clear, you know, arrows pointing at Taylor Gabriel, that would be kind of sweet, you know, and then it's Josh Bellamy and Kevin White out there, uh, you know, Javon Wims uh, running routes with them. making names up now. That's not a real <laughs> um, No, but then it would also be very clear that, you know, Terry Cohen would be uh, the smash play. But, <clears throat> like, Trubisky's not that cheap, first of all, on FanDuel. I'm not sure what he is on DK. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles have gotten just crushed by the dual-threat quarterbacks. And that was a trend that, you know, it was kind of small sample for a while and was like, eh, I mean, they're facing Cam Newton, you know. But, man, I mean, just one after the other, every dual-threat quarterback that faced them just had monster fantasy games, not even necessarily, like, just through rushing, but it was just through, like, just the the threat being there against the Eagles. And they definitely, like, they had to make a lot of adjustments late in the year because of all the things that happened in their secondary, and they were just playing their dudes back more and, you know, not – and then they lost a lot of good players on defense as well. So – um, I think that Trubisky uh, on on the 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 Sunday only. I think he's going to be my quarterback. Yeah, I don't hate that on Sunday only. I'm sitting here looking at the main slate though, thinking, I mean, it's basically down to two guys for me. I don't want to play Lamar Miller. I it's Luck or Trubisky. Maybe I'll just let's chop him up and we'll kind of see what happens there. But you're right. I mean, you know, we two weeks ago, you the three of us all just gaga over to Sean Watson in this match when I was getting victory laps I told you to play Nick Foles I told you to play Nick Foles he had five touchdown passes he scored fewer points with five touchdown passes than Deshaun Watson had. that's how much the running quarterback just destroyed this Philly team and I I don't know I guess I'm with you on Trubisky I don't know who the hell to pair him with that's my that's one of my always one of my big issues with Trubisky like do I pair him with one of the seven guys maybe you pair him with Trey Burton Trey Burton, I think that he's a little bit interesting in this spot. Um, I don't typically like the tight ends against the Eagles, but like Burton's a guy, Reeves, I mean, if if you're not playing Ertz or Ebron, I feel like it has to be Burton, right? I mean, anytime you can play a guy that hasn't gone over 40 yards in 10 straight games, I think you just got to punch the button. Yeah, but you get the passing touchdown too. 
They'll run. They'll run the Philly special, and he'll throw it to Trubisky. No, no. I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, you look at it the slate. I mean, the target volume has been kind of in there. He's averaging 5.8 targets per game, 20.4 percent of the team, you know, opportunity, you know, since Trubisky returned. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's just it's it's just so ugly by default. I guess he's involved. All right. So on the Philly side, I mean, we've got you know big bleep Nick that's out there against the Bears. Not a great match for him. Going to be a lot of pressure on him during the game. Reeves, do you think? The Nickster gets it done here against the Bears. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to find an objective argument for the Eagles guys here. Maybe Evan has one. Uh, other than just saying Nick Foles magic, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, the, the Bears gave up no production to opposing passers. Just three quarterbacks hit 20 fantasy points a game all season. Um, it's just, it's just real tough, man. It's tough. And they're at home. I don't know. Uh, that's I, I appreciate you saying that we're just like who the hell knows at this point because I mean this Eagles team it, Evan we expected them to fall apart last year they went on to win the Super Bowl we expect them to fall apart this year here they are in the playoffs they're six point dogs but I mean they have a lot of momentum talk to me about Philly yeah I mean, early in the year they lost a lot of close games and then late in the year you know the regression hit and they started winning some close games and they you know they finished fast and Dude, like, what it's going to take is, like, that Nick Foles magic. You know, we didn't do shows last year in the playoffs, but if we would have been having the conversation like this about when they were facing Minnesota, you know, we would have been, like, we, we probably would have, you know, viewed it sort of similarly, right? I would have said, no thanks. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> that's, like, what it's going to come down to, like, the magic. And so do you believe in magic? You know, No, from, uh, I don't. <laughs> Santa's gone. The Easter Bunny's still three months away. I don't believe in any of this crap, but here we are for the second straight year, and I've yeah. got bleep bleep Nick Foles ready to just shove it down my throat. So it's really frustrating. I think the guys, the guys to look at uh, on the Eagles side are maybe a little bit of Sproles um, on DK, and then um, I think they're going to double. I think the Bears will double team Zach Ertz and just remove him from the equation. Uh, Vic Fangio does a lot of double teaming as much as any. He's a schemer. You know, he's a, an actual defensive coordinator who, like, schemes. You know, he doesn't just run his scheme. He, like, schemes for the opponent. It's it, – what, what a – what, what an idea. Profound. Profound. What? <laughs> I know. Um, so, I think that Alshon is, is also kind of interesting, and maybe Dallas Goddard as well. Um, the Bears – with Warren Sharp earlier earlier this week and he was like um he's big on like personnel packages and um he noted that like the Bears have faced the the fewest uh fewest plays of 12 personnel in the NFL two tight end sets um so he was thinking you know maybe you know maybe just because they haven't played against those sort of formations they may be you know a little bit uh you know just looking for any way for the Eagles to maybe you know, put up a fight in this game. Um, and Dallas Goddard, I think, would could be a little bit interesting as like a, a long shot play um, that, you know, no one is going to use. Uh, but I think that Alshon, to me, I think would be the best play. The, the Bears have actually given up a lot of production to wide receivers this season. The Eagles have been uh, somewhat aggressive uh, at times using Alshon Jeffrey, moving him into the slot where the Bears uh, lost Bryce Callahan, their slot corner. And they're not playing with a special teamer, Sheriff McManus. So, um, yeah, I think Alshon would, would be the guy that stands out to me on the Eagles. Uh, what about Golden Tate? You're not on Team Golden Tate? I've been trying to make Golden Tate happen all year, much like Fetch. It has not happened, and I just uh, I just got to kind of say, I'm, whatever, I'm still playing some Tate. Screw it. Reeves, they, what about you? What are you doing took with the L on Golden Tate. They took the L on Golden Tate. Like, he doesn't play anymore. I mean, hey, he had six whole targets last week. Oh Sick. yeah, well, when he's in the game, they're like, "All right, we're gonna throw you targets." Yeah, that's 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 like more than one hand worth of targets. Like, that's. Do you want to know why Golden Tate's gonna hit other side than other than Crane? Just mentioned him, and because that's what Crane does on the show. Um, <laughs> like, like Golden Tate's gonna hit. So uh, Golden Tate, you know, over his career, because he was with the Seahawks to start his career, and then he was with the Lions. He's actually played twelve career games against Vic Fangio's defense, and he averages twenty-seven point eight receiving yards in twelve games against him he's never had gone over 65 receiving yards in a game just twice, just twice hit 50 yards against them and he's got two career touchdowns against six defense a big sample size of games against him 
Um, so of course, Crane's gonna pull it. He's gonna pull a rabbit. This is the Crane <laughs> rabbit in that play. Golden Tate. No, I actually like the Goddard play. Actually, if I'm gonna pull a rabbit out of the hat, I can't think Goddard's really, really sneaky. Or a guy like Justin Jackson, like those guys. Evan, Evan, you mentioned Sproles. I love that play this week because if you think that Chicago is going to get it done, like it's going to be all Darren Sproles coming out of the backfield. And even if it's not, I think we can expect Sproles to get enough touches because those snaps and the targets, dude, they've been there. I mean, just look at Carey's last two weeks, seven and nine targets, three and six. I mean, for his price tag at 4.4 K, I think he's perfectly reasonable. One guy we didn't mention was a guy who I've just been saying has is terrible for two years. And um, I've been making fun of anybody who's played him for two years. And meanwhile, he's gone over 14 in each of the last four weeks. And that's Jordan Howard. And like, I don't know, Reeves, do I just have to take the L on Jordan Howard? Is he better than I think he is? No, definitely. (laughs) I mean, definitely not go that far. I mean, I think when you look at Jordan Howard, objectively, largest home favorite on the slate, just got to put it into account. Uh, you know that but I, like I mentioned earlier I mean the Eagles have really kind of like found their way after like the darkness of uh, you know being able to stop the run I mean 35 rushing attempts or 82 yards running backs the past three games uh, Jordan Howard has 77 touches though over the past four weeks quite a lot you know I'm not going to get really much of anything in the receiving department but uh, yeah I mean he's one of those guys I think just as a big home favorite you can mix him in uh, and say, and just play those numbers because objectively Big home favorites uh, are good spots for running backs. Here, subjectively, he sucks. Evan, what do you think about uh, Howard on this slate? Yeah, I mean, same same sort of deal. You know, definitely don't love him, but might just have to play him because he's like a decent process play. But we know that that floor is just barren, and uh, you know he's going to have to score a touchdown probably to to, to really pay off. All right, okay, I'll just get pick one for me. All right, in tournaments. Jordan Howard, he's 4,600 on DK. If Austin Eckler plays, he's 4,400, and we're concerned about Melvin Gordon. Who would you rather – Evan, you wince there. Oh, man, I don't know about Eckler, playing Eckler. What, what do you think about playing Eckler, Reeves? Well, I think you look at the game Justin Jackson had against the Ravens, and you might right. draw, draw a similar line and say, well, those are actually Eckler's reps because he didn't play in that game. You had 10 targets in that game. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I can see it. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm just saying that, like, on DK for sure, it's a good question. I think it's Eckler. I really do. Because if we were like, that's the thing. Like, if we think Gordon is banged up and he's actually going to be limited, like, where do those carries and where do those passes go? Like, I would imagine they're still going to run Melvin Gordon. But when it comes to a passing down, I would think it would go more toward Eckler. So I would kind of lean toward Austin Eckler there, especially if one's going to be 20% owned and one's going to be 2% owned. Yeah, I think I might take Naheem Hines over both of them. Okay, I think he's fine too. By the way, real quick, uh, projected ownership on these guys, Jordan Howard 10%, Naheem Hines 5%, Austin Eckler 5%. I think like – I think you I, can just go over on all three of them. It would be cool. I'm never going to go overweight on Jordan Howard, man. Like Jordan Howard's overweight enough for all of us. Like I do not need to <laughs> 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 All right. We got to get off here, guys. We've kept the D train a little bit too long. He's got to get home to the misses, and we got to get on to the building some playoff teams. A lot of fun. We're going to be back next week. I Maybe the same bat time, maybe the same bat channel, definitely the same bat channel, but we'll let you know on Twitter when this show is going to air next week. Thanks to every much, everybody for tuning in. Thank you so much, Roto World, Roto Grinders. It's been a lot of fun. DFS Pick 6. We'll see you later. Peace.